Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire. There's always more to learn. That much is for certain, as is the fact that to learn more makes for a great resolution for the new year, particularly as it pertains to the spiritual life. That's the subject of today's message, which continues our current sermon series on resolutions of the spiritual life and is based on John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. It's entitled, Become an Apprentice, and it begins with some thoughts on mistaken identity. Well, last Sunday, friends, we began this sermon series on New Year's resolutions for the spiritual life by talking about identity, specifically the identity that God gives each one of us in and through our baptism, the identity of being God's own beloved child. In that context, you might recall, we also talked a bit about all the many other identities you and I carry in this life. How so often we are recognized by those around us as being somebody's parent or somebody's child, or say by the work that we do or the causes that we are passionate about. So many that I could name here. What I didn't talk about, however, at least not very much, is that there are many of us who sometimes find ourselves getting caught up in mistaken identity as well. And I can speak to this, friends. Now, in full disclosure, I know I have shared this story with you before, but this is, this is actually serves as one of my most humbling moments ever. So it bears repeating. It happened towards the end of my first year of seminary, and I had to go, was asked to go, let's put it that way, to some sort of student faculty reception. I think it was, if memory serves, to welcome the graduation speaker that year. And so along with a few other of my classmates, we walked up to uh, my Old Testament and Hebrew professor to say hello, to meet the guest speaker. And Dr. Sixai, Stephen Sixai, God rest his soul, he greeted me from halfway across the room with his rich and booming Hungarian voice. Ah! He is one of my Hebrew scholars now, Mr. Lowry. Even today, I cannot even begin to describe to you how that hit me. Hebrew scholar. <laughs> Michael Lowry, seminarian, student pastor, and Hebrew scholar. Yes. I got to tell you, that sounded pretty good. I still recall, I still remember the feeling of what an immediate ego boost that was. I had no idea that Dr. Sixai thought of me that way, but hey, this, this was great. I could, I could deal with this. And of course, you know, when you're in a situation like that, you want to appear humble at least. So I just said, well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. In retrospect, I guess my feeble attempt at humility didn't really land the way it was supposed to have because to this, Dr. Sixai replied, don't get carried away, Mr. Lowry. Being a scholar does not make you smart. It was so short-lived. Oh, 
but it was oh so sweet. Sometimes in our lives, maybe you can tell a story like that, we find our, ourselves caught up in mistaken identity, and it even happens sometimes in our Christian life. By our baptism, friends, we are given the name Christian. But sometimes I wonder that by virtue of carrying that mantle, we risk getting caught up in some mistaken identity of our own. There are some Christians, for instance, who live unto the notion that they are authorities on all things spiritual. And that simply by being Christian, this automatically makes them morally, ethically, and spiritually superior to everyone else, which, which they don't mind telling you that all the time. Now, no doubt we have all encountered people like that. And believe me, friends, when you are a pastor, you see them all the time. From the man, a church leader, mind you, who once walked out on a church Bible study because he figured he knew already what he needed to know about the Bible. To the mother of a high school athlete, true story, who informed me one day after worship that her son would no longer be attending church youth group because God was already with him on the pitcher's mound and that was all he needed. True story. Understand, though, when I say to you that these were both decent individuals that, while mostly well-intentioned, had allowed their egos to kind of overpower their faith. All I can say now is I guess they missed the part of Scripture about those who would be first in the kingdom of heaven being the last and the servant of all. Who knows? Now, granted, those kind of examples are, are the extreme. But... There are others, while not quite that self-centered, still carry their Christianity as though they've already arrived at their final destination. Which is interesting, especially when you consider that scripturally speaking, faith is never to be thought of as a final destination. Faith is always an ongoing journey. Here's something to consider. Did you know that the very term Christian only appears three times in the New Testament? That's right. In truth of fact, the word Christian only began to be used in the early days of the church as a way of identifying the disciples of Jesus, since they could no longer properly be called Jews, and they really weren't Gentiles either. Or, if you want to take this a step further... Let's remember now who, by definition, were considered to actually be the disciples of Jesus. From the original 12 apostles, extending to all those who came to follow Jesus before and after his crucifixion and resurrection. The ones who were considered to be his disciples, you see, were the ones who chose to follow Jesus in their own lives. That is, these were the ones who sought to listen to him to learn from him, to walk with him along his way. The ones who sought to be, in essence, a co-laborer with Jesus in their daily existence in order to learn to do what Jesus did so that they might become like Jesus. 
You see, as the early church understood the word, a disciple and a disciple of Jesus was essentially to be his apprentice. And that's still an apt description, if you think about it. Now, even today, we tend to use words like, well, job shadowing, uh, mentoring, or internships. But, and there are still those professions in the world that, in which becoming an apprentice is still an essential part of learning. It is about learning the intricacies of a particular art and skill. Music, there are music apprentices, there are carpentry apprentices for plumbing, all sorts of skills that I could name. It is to learn those skills directly from those who know it best. To be an apprentice, you see, is to be part of a long and ongoing relationship in which you're making the journey from being a raw and incompetent beginner to becoming a skilled practitioner of the trade recognizing along every step of the journey that you always have something to learn, that you always have a lot to learn, but you're always passionate about learning it. Well, friends, this is the very essence of being a Christian. That is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We start out in that relationship with the Lord, you see, realizing really that we understand nothing. Nothing, that is, except this wonderful good news that we are loved beyond limit. And then over time, you see, as an apprentice, we learn more and more about the scope of that love and what being his disciple means for our lives and what that in turn means for the world. But rather than determining that such knowledge brings us to the end of the journey, it will be at this point of the journey that a true apprentice of Jesus discovers that there is so much more that we have to learn. And we are hungering for that insight that comes in prayer, in study, and through the ongoing discipled life. To really be a Christian, you see, is to ever and always be the apprentice. The late author, philosopher, and disciple in his own right, Dallas Willard, he expressed this very well when he wrote that as a disciple or apprentice of Jesus, I am with him by choice and by grace, learning from him how to live in the kingdom of God. This, he says, is the crucial idea that means how to live within the reins of God's effective will, his life flowing through mine. I am learning, he says, from Jesus to live my life. I am learning how to do everything I do in the manner in which he did all that he did. I am learning from Jesus how to lead my life, my whole life, my real life. And might I add here, we are also learning to let Jesus lead, both in the learning and the living. Because this is what makes the difference, whether you and I simply are going about our day-to-day -day lives being what I would refer to as a casual Christian, or whether we're really seeking to let the Lord lead us 
into the adventure that is true discipleship. Well, that's what's at the heart of our scripture reading this morning. John's account of Jesus' call of Philip and Nathaniel as his disciples. Now, there's a lot that's interesting about this story. We're actually picking that story up about halfway through. But what's interesting about what we've read today is that, first off, it's not Philip that goes looking for Jesus. But just as Jesus decides that he is going to Galilee, he finds Philip and he says to Philip, follow me. And Philip, just like Peter and Andrew before him, leaves everything behind so that he can follow Jesus. Nathaniel, on the other hand, is another matter. When Philip finds Nathaniel to tell him about this man, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, Nathaniel, to say the least, is far less than impressed. Nazareth, he says. You know, it's one of those things if they name some backwoods town that you know from everything you heard is not a great place to live. He had that grizzled up face and he went, Nazareth? You have got to be kidding me. Nothing good ever comes out of Nazareth. Even when Nathanael meets Jesus for the first time, even when Jesus looks at Nathanael and immediately divides, identifies him as truly an Israelite of whom there is no deceit, Nathanael just rolls his eyes and he says, you don't know me. What can you possibly know about what kind of Israelite I am? We just met. Now, to say that Nathaniel was a born skeptic was to put it mildly. He was doubting Thomas before there was a doubting Thomas. But moreover, you see, Nathaniel was one of those folks who, like so many of us, simply didn't understand how much it was that he needed to learn. Or more to the point, how much he was missing. Nathaniel, you see, lived unto that same notion that who he was and what he knew was all there was to receive, and not even God had anything new to show him. Which is what makes it all the more miraculous that when Nathaniel looks to Jesus with all this self-satisfaction to say, you don't know me, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I understand here, there was more to all this than simply Jesus having seen Nate take an afternoon nap in the shade. For you see, to sit under the fig tree in Jesus' time was to say that you were a seeker, that you were someone who was searching deep within your heart and soul for more, that you were somebody who was hungering for something, even if you couldn't name what it was. You needed something more. And what Jesus was doing here was to cut through that thin veneer of spiritual self-satisfaction that Nathaniel and so many of us carry around and let us know that we had so much more that we had to learn. And, and it worked. Because at that moment, Nathaniel realized that this Jesus was far more than some local denizen from Nazareth. In fact, he says right away, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You, you are the king of Israel. But you know what? What I really love about this passage is what Jesus says next. 
So now you're a believer simply because I said I saw you one day under the fig tree? You haven't seen anything yet. Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Just wait and see, Jesus said, because you know what? You ain't seen nothing yet. Suffice to say that because of this very real encounter with Jesus, Nathaniel comes off seeing things in a completely different way. Not only does he realize that he does have a lot to learn, but also that he really, really wants to learn it. When Nathaniel meets Jesus, you see, he immediately makes that shift from living a life of spiritual emptiness to living a life of unparalleled adventure that comes in a lifelong walk with Jesus. And friends, I don't know about you, but that is the kind of life I want to live. I want the adventure of faith that Jesus alone can offer me. I don't want to view spirituality, or, or dare I say it, I don't want to look at religion as little more than merely following the rules, more than just kind of connecting the dots and praying real hard that I make the cut at the end of each day. I would like my journey of faith to be as Jesus wants it to be. Beginning with this understanding that, that I am loved. Right here and right now, I am loved beyond measure. Also understanding that there is much more that I can be. That I have a purpose in life and living that, that I am going to learn and I am going to perfect over time that will reveal God's pleasure. That will show forth my own joy in life as well. Friends, believe me when I say to you here this morning that there is not one person here, not one person watching us online, who can correctly say that they know it all where faith is concerned. In fact, I would add here that it's a blessing when we figure out that we've got a lot to learn. When we realize that we have a lot to know about God, about what God's doing in our lives and, and what our place is in God's plan. What a blessing it is that we've been called forward on this adventure of being a Christian. And that that adventure starts with becoming an apprentice to Jesus Christ. When our uh, oldest son Jake was in high school, for a couple of years running, he was part of the Southern Maine Honors Band playing tuba. Now, they do this in New Hampshire and throughout New England as well. The whole concept of this event was that all these kids from throughout southern Maine would come together for one day and part of another. And in that very short period of time, they would put together a full program of fairly advanced uh, band music. And, and modesty forbid, it was something to behold. I remember in particular that there was an arrangement, part of that concert, uh, of It Is Well With My Soul, one of the great hymns. And it was an arrangement that literally brought me to tears. And I, 
And, and as they were playing this song, and I'm guessing that there are a lot of kids here that really didn't know too much about the song, but there were so many of us, uh, so many of them and so many of us in the, in the, in the I was going to call it a congregation, in the crowd that understood the depth of that wonderful song. But what I remember thinking at the time is these were all the same kids who just a few years before had picked up those instruments they were playing for the very first time. Kids who no doubt had driven their parents to distraction as they tried without any success at all to make some sort of normal sound come out of those instruments. Now, here they were, playing those same instruments to bring forth something incredibly beautiful, something incredibly meaningful. And here's the thing, it happened because someone, be it a teacher, a conductor, or a director, God brought that beautiful music out of each one of those kids in unique and powerful ways. I believe that much the same thing can be said about you and me, beloved. That when you and I embrace that identity we're given as Christians, when we decide we are going to become an apprentice to our Lord, we will, over time, discover that inner spiritual music that can only be given to us by the one who is the master conductor. So let us resolve this year to grow in the Christian faith. Let us resolve to become an apprentice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us in that move from knowing about Jesus to truly knowing Jesus. And let that knowledge, let that relationship grow and change and take shape over the course of a lifetime and beyond, receiving as we go all the wonder and the adventure that comes in such a loving, caring relationship. And with every day that passes, with every new lesson that is learned, may our thanks be to God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled, Become an Apprentice. It's part of our current sermon series that we've been calling Resolutions of the Spiritual Life. And it was recorded during our January the 16th, 2022 service of worship at East Congregational Church in Concord, New Hampshire. By the way, we would like to invite you to one of those worship services, which happen every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock in person at the church on 51 Mountain Road in Concord, New Hampshire. Or else you can join us for these services live online via Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Either way, we would love to have you with us. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of the Love to Tell the Story podcast. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.